Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember trying to scream for my friend at the time and I couldn't I couldn't scream I was scared I was anxious I was frustrated as well because I couldn't speak because I couldn't tell them you know I'm feeling sick I want to throw up um so yeah I was so frustrated I just wanted to get to get to the hospital it did hurt my parents they were scared for me but they never showed it you know so they always gave me the strength to kind of keep pushing keep going on Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories. Although stroke doesn't feature prominently in the public conscience, stroke is the fourth biggest killer in the UK, and two-thirds of people who've had a stroke leave hospital with some kind of disability. In Britain alone, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's about one every five minutes. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we meet Simone Gomez. Simone suffered her stroke when she was only 19, which was caused by a disorder that she'd lived with since birth. I was born with a congenital heart defect. You know, I was in and out of hospital due to it, but I think I had a pretty good upbringing. Obviously, I had difficulties when going to school. You know, I wasn't like my peers. I couldn't run around as much. I'd get out of breath. But yeah, it was was pretty good. I'd travel... You know, had fun with my with my brothers, my friends. So it was pretty good before stroke hit. So I was 19. Um, the person that I was with at the time, he actually came over to my mum's home. So that's where I was living. My mum, she used to be a nurse slash sister at King's Hospital. So she was actually working that night. And funny enough, she was working on the stroke ward that night. So yeah, I remember the guy I was with, he came over around probably 9.30. Within 15 minutes of him being there, I started to be sick. You know, the room started spinning. I wanted to throw up. Um, I went to the toilet actually to throw up. And I remember there being a mirror next to the toilet. And I looked in the mirror and all I saw was my face was so pale. And I had dark circles around my eyes. I knew something was wrong but I didn't know what. And then I remember trying to scream for my friend at the time. And I couldn't. I couldn't scream. So I stopped talking. And... I started to fit. So obviously that was scary for me because I didn't know what was going on. He called the ambulance, I'll say about two, three times. Ambulance eventually came and I remember them, two women, they came upstairs. 
and one of them sat on my bed as I was fitting and directly asked me what's going on. My friend had tried to explain to them, you know, she's got a heart problem, showing them my medication. They asked if I'm on drugs. He said, no, she has a heart problem. Here's her medication. They continued to ask me what's going on. I couldn't speak. Um, so what I done was I turned my face just to kind of let them know that like, I can't do anything. Like I'm fitting. I need to go into the ambulance. They then turned around and said that I was rude because I turned my face. In the beginning, um, I was angry about it. I remember I, um, I had a talk in Bermondsey. It was just doctors and nurses, and I remember saying that you know the paramedics need to be a little bit more educated about stroke don't just see a young person assume that it's drugs and I remember the, there was a doctor that said to me oh well if you were having a stroke don't you think you should have told the paramedics which I thought was so stupid because I could not speak so I can't I can't tell anyone that I'm having a stroke I didn't even know I was having a stroke so that was so silly but at the time I was very angry very bitter about the um, um my experience with the paramedics but I think now they are more aware of like you know of stroke and they know what to do they're gonna act fast like an advert act fast so but now I'm yeah I'm I'm fine with it. For Simone the stroke was frightening and frustrating in equal measure. I was scared I was anxious I was frustrated as well because I couldn't speak because I couldn't tell them you know I'm feeling sick I want to throw up you know my body lost control so I I wet myself um I was dead weight um so yeah I was so frustrated I just wanted to get to get to the hospital because I didn't know what was going on and I wanted my mum I wanted my mum I wanted my dad I was so scared but they eventually got me into the ambulance got me to um A&E well resuscitate I went straight into the resuscitation room at Lucian Hospital and I just remember doctors and nurses everywhere like I had blurred vision I mean I wasn't wearing my glasses but you know it was very blurry I was very tired I was so tired but I was trying to keep awake I was trying to stay awake but I just couldn't I remember I needed to throw up so I was laying on my back and because of all the commotion I don't think obviously the doctors they didn't realize that I needed to throw up so I managed to turn myself or fling myself onto the side so I can throw up and I remember just throwing up all over my hair and everywhere and the last thing I remember is them putting a line in me and then I just I just went I just let go and closed my eyes. I was born with three valves instead of four and only one of my pumping chambers was working um, and my oxygen level was very low and the oxygen in the blood it was going through like the same system I guess so that's what caused the stroke because I went to Lucian Hospital my hospital at the time was actually guys in St Thomas um so when I went into Lucian Hospital they automatically thought you know a young person 19 it must be drugs and I know it sounds stupid when they asked me you know do you know about cocaine I actually didn't I didn't have a clue about cocaine or any sorts of drugs so that's what kind of made them think okay it has to be something else even though my parents already told them and the guy at the time she has a heart problem <laughs> here's her medication but they eventually you know got my notes over from guys in St Thomas and they realized it actually it was actually from her heart. I stayed in the hospital for three months 
So throughout the three months, I had intensive physio every day. And to be honest, the, the, phys- the physiotherapy, they were, they were great. The speech therapists, they were all so good. And um, I continued to have physio after when I went home. But, you know, I had my parents help me also with physio. I had my friends around. So I had a really good support network. Although Simone's family was shocked and upset, they were strong and supportive throughout her recovery. I do remember being in intensive care. And it was, it was a bit of a blur because, you know, I was still tired. But I remember my cousin being there, my brothers, my parents. And I just remember hearing like loads of cries, like loads of tears, people crying. And where I'm very close to my parents, like they're my world. And I mean, I know like everyone says, you know, their parents are great, but my parents are really great. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it did, it did, obviously it did hurt my parents. They were scared for me, but they never showed it, you know, so they always gave me the strength to kind of keep pushing, keep going on. And they did make my recovery so much better. Um, Some of my friends, they were scared because they didn't, they didn't understand like myself. They didn't understand, so they were kind of, you know, they were scared. They didn't really know what to do. But they came to visit. They were hang out with me in hospital, call me at night, you know, talk whatever nonsense. <laughs> they were really good. I went through so many different emotions. So the first emotion, when, when I realised that, you know, I couldn't walk, couldn't talk, um, my balance, I didn't have any balance. I remember actually my mum sitting me up. And she let go of me to get something because she's going to take me into the bathroom to wash me. And because I didn't have any balance, I fell onto the bed and that actually made me laugh. So I was like cracking up. I thought it was hysterical. Um, and then I had emotions where I felt angry. I didn't know like why this happened to me. You know, I felt sorry for myself. And then I had the days where... I was motivated, I was positive because I was doing so well with my physio and my aim was to get out of hospital and get back into my heels. So, but yeah, I went through a lot of different emotions and up to now, I still get a little bit emotional because just little things like I do forget some things like this morning, I forgot my pin or sometimes when I'm cooking, it's a reminder that, you know, I had a stroke because my right arm is weaker than my left arm. So, yeah, I still get a bit emotional now thinking about it. I went to speech therapy twice in hospital. Um, The reason being (laughs) is because, like I said, you know, my emotions were all over the place. So I remember I put my hand up to ask a question and the speech therapist told me to put my hand down and let someone else speak, which I thought was a little bit rude because I had my hand up. And I remember asking my nurse to take me back to my room. I didn't really want to be part of it. So, yeah, that day I stopped going to speech therapy. But I speak a lot anyway. So I basically helped myself through singing, speaking a hell of a lot to family and friends, especially my mum. We speak a lot, like we can speak for hours. So that helps a great deal. Simone was resolute in the milestones she'd set herself during her recuperation and was soon back in education and working towards her goals. So obviously one of them 
was to get back into my high heels, which I did. Another was to go back to college. So I used to do performing arts acting. So I wanted to go back into that, um, which I did, but it was too soon. I went a year after my 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 stroke. Um, it was a little bit too soon. So I I stopped for a few months and then I went back. Um, but my college, the college that I was at, at the time, they were great. They understood and they were very supportive. I had a lot of support from my parents and I still do. But I'm a positive person and I'm quite, just, I'm like, I just get up and go, you know, like I'll be upset, I'll be sad, but at the end of the day, I'm still alive. I kind of like set goals for myself as well. Like for example, right now, I'm studying to become a teacher. Um, last year, I done a hair and media makeup course, which I passed. So I'm a qualified makeup artist as well so you know I set, keep setting myself goals I keep doing stuff like exciting things I'm pretty proud of myself from someone who couldn't walk couldn't talk couldn't do anything um I'm really proud of myself but you know obviously I worked hard to get back to where I am right now I still think about stroke because I do still have health problems I do sometimes get scared um I mean up to two weeks ago I was in hospital and I had to have a CT scan because they thought I might be having a stroke so every time I do go to hospital and I have to have a CT scan I do get scared I get sad I think oh god not again so yeah I do still have that worry at the back of my head but at the same time I just get on with life because I mean stroke can happen to anyone you don't have to actually have a health problem it, it, it doesn't choose age it can be any age man woman doesn't matter so I just get on with it I, I, I pray a lot, so at night time, you know, when my mum's left, when my dad's left to go home and I have my own kind of quiet time, I used to pray a lot, I still pray a lot, so prayer keeps me going and also my family, you know, because I want to be here for a long time, I mean, I want, I want a family of my own, so, you know, good, you know, happy thoughts, happy stuff that I know that I can achieve and I pray that I do get, that keeps me going. Simone's tight family unit and strong sense of what she wanted to achieve meant that she had a very positive and successful recovery from her stroke. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Simone looks to an exciting future ahead. So at the moment I'm doing a level two TA course at Bromley College. Um, I want to go on to do a level three and then do a BA degree. And I'm 33 in two months time. So I, wanna, I want to become a mum at some point. And she offers advice for those who are going through a similar experience. You are going to go through ups and downs, but the fact is, you know, you're alive, you're still here. So start making small achievable goals for yourself. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's hear how Simone first encountered the Stroke Association. At first, I didn't want any help from anyone. I kind of just was in my own little, my own little shell. Um, but then I went on to the Stroke Association and um, I remember I won an award for <laughs> Stroke Survivor. So that's what started my journey with the Stroke Association. And they've been great. They've like, they've made a platform for me to tell my story and also help other people who's gone through stroke, especially young people, because I was actually the youngest one on the ward when I had my stroke. And, you know, it was daunting. I felt a bit sad. I felt like, oh, God, great. Like, <laughs> I'm the only one in the world, the only young person in the world who's had a stroke. But um, that's not the case. There's so many young people out there that's had stroke. And, you know, I kind of want to be like a little voice for them as well. And And to be able to like talk to them and be there if they need someone to help or to talk to. I've spoken to a few stroke survivors and it's quite funny like I when I start speaking to them I kind of forget that I've had a stroke myself. I tend to feel like really sorry for them and can't believe like oh my god these young people they've had a stroke not realizing actually no I've had a stroke myself. I say there should be more help for young people I think young people need more of an outlet to go to um, because a lot of people think stroke is just for old people I think when it comes to the elderly there's a lot of information and outlets for them but young people I don't think there are a lot of outlets for them. In 2015 Simone's determination and perseverance earned her a life after stroke award. I went there actually with my mum so my mum's like my biggest cheerleader and I remember I met Daisy and <laughs> there's so many other people there like it's kind of it is a little bit of a blur to be honest because I was kind of shocked like okay life after stroke award but I felt obviously I was honoured to be you know given the life after stroke award but you know you meet so many other inspirational people and not just people who's had stroke you know the people who are helping people after stroke you know you meet families of people who's had stroke as well so you know when you see all of this it's uh, it's quite like mind-blowing to be honest simone's stroke is now well in her past and she's focused on future plans so i'm hoping well i will um <laughs> become a teacher so at the moment i'm doing a level two course TA course at Bromley College. Um, I want to go on to do a level three and then do a BA degree. Um, and I'm 33 in two months time. I know it's still kind of young, but it's not that young. So I, wanna, I want to become a mum at some point in the future. But, you know, kind of not, near, you know, not like late future, near future. Yeah, I just want to yeah, just be happy, live life and take each day as it comes. I mean, everyone's allowed to have their down days. But, you, you know, after you've had your down day, you've got to get up and you've got to boss again. From her own experience, Simone thinks that actively seeking help and talking about the illness 
are among the best ways to help a person recover from a stroke. I would say, you know, it'd be good if you can, you know, seek help, especially like, like I said, from the Stroke Association. They're so good. Um, they've got good advice and, you know, they can help you through whatever you are going through. Um, you are going to go through ups and downs, but the fact is, you know, you're alive, you're still here. So start start making small achievable goals for yourself and you know try to reach those goals it could be just you know let's go for going for a walk like every day for half an hour um but yeah set yourself goals and don't beat yourself up too too much about it and yeah just try to be positive because it's not the end you're still here you know it's 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 okay to go through these different emotions you will go through these different emotions and it's okay and you will somewhat feel angry at times um, that this is happening to you. With, with people who's helping someone recover, I know it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating because, you know, you're helpless. You don't know what to do and you just want to get them out of this. But, you know, it's going to take time, but they will recover and they will get better. And, you know, you just have to stay being supportive and also try to seek support for yourself as well. And take a break, because we all need a break. I do find talking about my recovery does help. But I mean, I'm a, like I said, I'm a talkative person. I'm quite in tune with my emotions as well. So yeah, talking about my recovery has helped. And obviously knowing like other people has gone through the same thing I have, like other young people has gone through the same thing I have. So it kind of gives me a little bit of comfort. I mean, everyone who is part of my recovery, they were fantastic. I, I, I can't, I have no complaints about the recovery. You know, it took me, I would say, near enough a year to, I wouldn't say fully recover, but get back to, you know, where I am now. Simone has turned an extremely difficult experience into a very positive one. She's open and honest about her stroke and determined, despite the setbacks, to continue to achieve great things in life. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke, or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search online for The Stroke Association. For a dedicated NHS webpage, search for NHS Strokes. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>